When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined again, as always, by David Bixenspan for our Wednesday edition where we talk about SmackDown Live. Today we'll be talking about SmackDown Live for Tuesday, September 20th, 2016. Without further ado, let's hop right into the show. David, so uh, overall thoughts, and we were talking about this off the air, really solid episode of SmackDown this week, huh? I thought that might have been the best one since the brand split or even the best one since uh, Morrow came on in January. That was a really, really good show. It was tight. It was fast-paced, eventful. A lot of stuff happened. We had some good character moments. We had some great in-ring action. So with that being said, let's go segment by segment and talk about the show. Uh, Started with opening promo. We had Daniel Bryan announcing the women's match, the contract signing for that championship match that's going to happen at No Mercy in Sacramento in two weeks. And uh, had Becky Lynch come out to the ring, of course, to the standard fairfare and applause. And uh, Alexa Bliss come and join her. Had a little bit of a promo off between the two of them uh, talking about their motivations going into this match of course as most all contract signings uh, do go in the WWE it ended with you know the table being flipped over I believe Alexa hit Becky Lynch with the contract uh, you know ended in complete chaos but definitely sort of set up this conflict further heightening the tension as we head into No Mercy on October 9th David what did you think of uh, of the segment in the promos I thought this was pretty good um Becky has been pretty strong so far with her talking. Lexa Bliss has been coming along pretty well. They are much more natural promos than the, I don't know if I would say all the Raw women, but at least than the Raw women have been in their segments as of late. Because, I mean, maybe that maybe that may just be the focus on Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Since Bailey obviously can hold her own very well and she hasn't really been talking and Sasha can pretty well, although not, she isn't as good as a baby face, but she, she can hold Aaron pretty well. So and it just came off much better and more, more important than the Raw segments, too. It, it's interesting to me how the SmackDown women's title really seems to be coming off much more important than the Raw title to me. They are treating it as much more of an equal to the uh, World Heavyweight title than Raw is doing with their women's title. 
it seems. Yeah, no, I thought it was very impressive. I mean, front and center, we've had women's segments at Open SmackDown Live before. And I have to say that, you know, I thought Alexis promo was solid, but I think Becky just really gave us something different here. Now, now, full disclosure, I'm a huge Becky Lynch mark. Uh, absolutely love her and think she's fantastic. But I really, really thought that that was an interesting angle to take with the promo that, no, she wasn't born into this, that she wasn't destined for this. And that, uh, you know, perhaps the life she was born into was a lot less exciting and interesting than the one she has, but that she's really worked hard to get where she has. Um, I think Alexa could take it up a notch. Um, I feel like she's still getting comfortable. You could see that even though she she knows her character, I don't think she can improvise in character or come across like she's, you know, being in the moment in character uh, all the time in front of tens of thousands of people. Um, I feel like that part is still coming along, but I thought all things considered, you know, sink or swim, throwing her into the ring up against Becky, someone who's had, you know, uh, years of experience acting on stage, went to clown college for Christ's sake, someone who's, you know, such a gifted and trained performer. I thought that Alexa held her own, but just didn't quite rise to that level. Um, what do you think? And, and without, you know, going too big picture on this, but I noticed this on SmackDown Live also when we had Carmella last night, do you feel like the, the NXT call-ups are still figuring out or, or or getting used to that idea of being able to shoot in character or being able to at least appear like you know they're improvising i mean does does it come across still like maybe they're you know they're a little green in that regard in terms of just uh, expanding upon the the standard 15 seconds of script that's given to them hmm I feel like theoretically they should be good at it, especially people who've been there for a while, who were there for a while, you know, when Dusty Rhodes was still around and he was doing the promo class because, you know, that's his thing. Mm -hmm. So I would think they'd be better at it. I mean, I don't know if I agree with you completely that that's how she comes off. I mean, she does come off a little bit practiced. She definitely came off more practiced than Becky did. But she doesn't come off as green as she theoretically is i would say oh for she's sure. not awkward you know what it reminds me of have you ever played or seen that um party game that's like an improv game where uh where you're given a note card with like two or three character traits written on it and then you have to act out a scene and you have to keep uh reinforcing those character traits and then the audience has to guess what it is about your character um, you know, I, I've been at parties. Uh, I, I know people in the improv scene, you know, I've seen this before uh, quite a few times. And to me, that's what it feels like. It feels like Alexa, Carmela, Baron Corbin, like they've been given three bullet points about their character. And that's what they keep driving home again and again. You know, and there's not room to just sort of go off the cuff, make a comment to roll with it. Uh, you know, it's not true improv in that nature. Um, and I mentioned this on Talking Smack that Daniel Bryan, I think, does a great job of giving them setups. To, to kind of go further with their character, but they just kind of give simple responses and instantly go back, you know? So I, I think that it's not that they're, uh, you know, not comfortable or confident. I mean, we certainly know what being awkward on the mic looks like in the WWE, but I feel like they're, they're, they're clinging too hard to those, those few bullet points and not feeling loose or natural or in the moment with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I could, I can, I can go with that, I guess. Uh, yeah. that's it's like Eric Corbin. Brian Corbett's going to go, well, you know, I'm a lone wolf and uh, I don't care about anyone here. So really, you know, you could take your opinion and shove it because uh, I do, I do what I want. And, you know, it's like, he has like those three things that he will keep coming back to again and again and again, every time he's on the mic for any considerable amount of time. 
Yeah, but I think Alexa has adjusted much better to the main roster promo style and just the main roster in general than Baron Corbin or who well, the other definitely. example he gave. Well, Carmella, uh, Carmella last night in Talking Smack, it was forced where she was where she was just you know don't you th- uh, what was it Renee Young said her but said don't you think you know what you say a little little uh, extreme or over the top and then Carmella was like well yes. You know, or no, she was what you say. Don't you think it's a little extreme over the top? Carmella, what? No, no, I don't. But then again, I I am extreme and over the top. So sure, maybe it was. You know, it's you, you could take that moment where she wasn't. She had to think. You could see sort of the wheels turning. You know, as she was given these setups. Uh, but no, I do think Alexa is the best of the bunch when it comes to that. But yeah, I just don't. I don't think she's there quite where Becky is. I think Becky really made a lot of people feel something last night with where she went. And with Alexa, I felt like you know it was a B. Um, and, and maybe it would have come across better had it not been up against Becky given, you know, so far, in fact, I would go as far as to say for Becky last night, that was a career defining promo. I think that's the most character development we've had from her, um, on the main roster. Do, do you agree? Uh, yes, yes. I think that's the best promo she's cut so far on the main roster. I mean, she's been a very good promo overall. Definitely. And she even did a good job delivering when they had her do the, uh, semi-brain damaged character when she first came to the main roster <laughs> I mean, she 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 ran with it yeah she was committed to it but i mean since she's become a more able human being uh she she's been, she's been very good i mean i would make the argument that at least based on main roster performance that performance performance she's been <laughs> the best of the women and and so much so that I'll give her a pass that she did a, a variation on Sasha's character angle, right? Sasha's ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to hold this WWE championship. You know, Becky sort of did a variation on that about, you know, wanting something more than, than what she thought was the life in store for her as a child. And I think Alexa, in a way, is doing a variation on Charlotte's thing, you know, genetically superior, born into this. Um, you know, so I, I won't ding them too hard for not coming up with a completely original angle in the showdown between the two. But yeah, Becky's delivery last night absolutely made it. Uh, that being said, you know, let's move on and talk about the second segment of the night. Well, which you know was what? A- Can I ask you a quick question? Oh, yeah, no, go for it. What did you think of how that segment ended? Uh, just with complete chaos and disarray? And well, Becky attacking it, Alexa on the ramp? Because at first, like, as I'm watching as it's going on, I'm thinking, that's kind of a weird way to leave your baby face where that, that Becky sold getting hit with the clipboard to the degree <laughs> she did. But the, but but then when she just got up and ran and attacked Alexa in the aisle, I liked it because it was less, oh, she hurt her and more that she was just insulted and stewing until she got up and ran at her. Yeah, it seemed to me like she was just more sort of awestruck. But I, I think, um, you know, obviously no confirmation on this, but it seemed like the table flip and some of the stuff flying was maybe a little more than Becky was expecting. And I think... It might have been the sort of like, I'm just going to stay down here in case something else happens or hits me that I wasn't expecting to hit me. Uh, But the clipboard, I mean, granted, it was one of those padded leather folio types, you know, so it couldn't have hurt too bad. Uh, But but yeah, it it looked like uh, maybe Alexa missed her mark a little bit because Daniel was looking when Becky went to sign the contract. You could see that he was, you know, there was that moment like, where did the other contract go? Like maybe it's not exactly the execution wasn't exactly how they blocked it in rehearsal. Um, but no, I like the ending. I liked with Becky attacking. My one note though, um, and we, we could talk about this a little bit later about how they're building up the No Mercy uh, pay per view that's coming up. Is they flash that title screen, and I think it's um, 
the perfect storm, no pun intended. But if you look at Alexa's color scheme in that, if you look at the way the blue with the, the whited out WWE women's title behind that, and then look at the No Mercy font, the photo, and I'm sure you guys can find it online, it looks like Alexa and Becky are, are doing an homage to Frozen from uh, the matchup card that they were showing for no mercy with the white, the blue and the font that they used. And I was just like, Oh, and you know, now I can't unsee that every time they show any of the matchup cards with that font and that white and blue color scheme. Uh, but no, I, I definitely like that segment. And uh, you know, uh, later in the show, we could talk about on talking smack, the sort of just out of left field promo that they aired uh, at the end there for no mercy, which I absolutely loved. Um, so moving on to the, the first actual match of the night, we had the Usos versus a returning American Alpha. Now, this match continued to sell Chad Gable's injury pretty heavily uh, that he was recovering from. And uh, surprisingly, American Alpha uh, lost, or perhaps not surprisingly, depending on uh, your level of smart, uh, smarkiness going into this. But uh, American Alpha did not win, so the Usos will be facing Rhino and Heath Slater at No Mercy for the SmackDown Tag Team Belts. Um, what did you think of this match and do you agree that it's right to keep uh, American Alpha out of the title contention for a little longer for now because it seems like the obvious direction is that the Usos are going to win the titles at no mercy and then uh, excuse me you'll have American Alpha chasing from there so I'm okay with that Uh, I'm trying to think though how long did they say that Gable was going to be out and how long six weeks and how long has it been since they shot that angle? Uh, it's been less. It's been less than four weeks. It's been about three weeks, right? Yeah, about three. Fast recovery. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's, it's amazing the WWE universe just how quickly a co- potentially career-threatening injury can heal. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought uh, the match was okay. I liked the Usos further targeting uh, the leg. Um, I liked the idea that they tied it into why Jason Jordan didn't tag him in at the end. And then Jordan took the pin. I, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Uh, how do you feel about the evil Usos? How's, how's that wearing for you? Are you, are you a believer? Do you enjoy it? This was definitely their best showing so far. Yeah. But it, they're still not all the way there. It seems like a lot of it was just from working with American Alpha and they need a remix or something of the entrance music because the fans are still reflexively popping to it. Yeah. Well, they're not doing the chant anymore, you know, so so there's that. Uh, sure, but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's still, they still need to change things up a little bit more. I like the new outfits. It seemed to fit them better than the whole just plain black or plain white and the stuff they were doing since they turned. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people online noticing how much uh, one of the Usos looked like X-Pac last night, you know, with the, with the color scheme, the headband, and everything else. <laughs> uh, so a- after that match, where again, the Usos did win, sending them to contend for the titles at No Mercy, we had Apollo Crews versus Baron Corbin. Now, I have to be honest, to me, uh, this, this felt like I'm watching, you know, a repeat of the same match they've been trying to make happen since nxt i mean did that do anything for you last night this this further continuation of uh you know cruz corbin and corbin uh, getting the win at the end mm, no did it, did it enhance it for you the jack swagger was ringside giving commentary i mean did that really no, no. <laughs> i think we've, we've learned something in the last couple of weeks and that's that cruz versus corbin is a lot less fun if you don't have corbin yelling things like go back to ring of honor at him yeah, yeah, and that's you know with Corbin, that's one thing I'll note is that it feels um, like they've taken a lot of that away. 
I, I think that, you know, the, those shoot like qualities and comments, you know, doing heel work and getting to just uh, find clever ways to, to antagonize his opponent. I don't feel like we've really seen that since this call up. Can you think of any instances? No, no, no. The uh, big banter Baron Corbin has not been seen yet on the main roster. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, there might have been there might have been like one or two things, but not really on the main shows as far as I can remember. And that was that's what kind of made people kind of get into him. But now he's just the same Baron Corbin again from before they did the whole Baron Corbin versus X indie superstars thing on NXT. And now he's just boring. Yeah. Yeah. Boring Corbin. Uh, but uh no uh so let's let's uh talk about something else that, that had mixed results which was we had another uh kurt hawkins segment now i mean is this what what are your prospects what, what's your uh prediction for how this is going to go once kurt hawkins actually wrestles on smackdown do you think the audience is going to get behind this uh now what we've seen is just a complete comedic character i i don't feel it i don't and he just he comes off like a total prelim guy he's not good at delivering this stuff himself it it came off like it could be something with the first couple weeks of videos where it was more just the stylized graphics and stuff but his delivery is not really good he just comes off kind of like a geek and it does it doesn't work for me like i just don't know where this is going and i mean he's a talented guy i mean he's not a bad wrestler but i don't see where he fits that would warrant all this yeah. and it feels like another shining stars yeah i i think uh that's, that's a very very good comparison and we all know how awesome the shining stars have been since they debuted uh, in their repackaged configuration but I, I feel like with kurt hawkins doing this character it's especially interesting that they're putting him on the show with tyler breeze and fandango um you know i think that to do the sort of uh you know likable funny uh pretentious douchebag character I, th- I feel like smackdown already has enough of those and that this isn't gonna isn't gonna work so well um and the the segments i have to say you know we talked about earlier when they're doing the the chuck norris facts uh with him when they first started teasing him and they did start teasing him god it feels like it's been over a month and we still haven't seen him wrestle on smackdown yet but when they cut last week and this week to showing Kurt Hawkins on camera live and having him deliver this stuff, it's like, oh, man, no, no, no. This this is going in a bad direction. This is not going to end well. Um, and I get that face the facts is supposed to be, uh, you know, his catchphrase. But uh, I mean, do, so with this with this gimmick, I mean, do you think they're going to introduce him as a face or a heel? I think, he, I think he's a heel at this point. When they started doing the videos, I was thinking maybe he would be like, not not a tweener, but someone who was technically slotted as a heel, but kind of designed to be someone who's entertaining the, yeah. the fans. Now it kind of seems like he's going to be just kind of a comedy prelim meal. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, thinking about creative in the process, I think uh, Vince McMahon just discovered Chuck Norris facts like a week ago. Or, you know, someone started saying them to him, you know, like a couple months ago. And that's where the gimmick came come from. Come on. I mean, this yeah. is a guy who never saw Scarface and thought that Scott Hall's Razor Ramon presentation was wholly original. Um, I'm trying to think but, what else is there. There's, the, of course, the story, the Freddie Prinze Jr. story about why would you watch Richard Pryor when we have Santino. Um, it's just all that stuff. I mean, of course... <laughs> Of course, this is that Vince or someone just learned about the Chuck Norris facts. But, but I think I think Vince, though, gives Moro a note every week now that says, with Alexa Bliss, mention Harley Quinn. 
mentioned Harley Quinn. That's who she's trying to look like. That's who we want her to think people to think about. <laughs> I, I like Moro, but that seems almost like more of a Moro thing to me. But that's so weird, though, because it's the look, but it's not her character. It's, I mean, it, like, and it's not even really the look. It was the look for the pay-per-view, kind of. I mean, they're both blonde and have pigtails. I mean, that's maybe as far as it goes. I don't know. It just, it seems very, very strange. You know, it's like, it's like one step away from uh, referring to anyone of, of an ethnicity, you know, as the shared character straight trait and being like, oh, the so-and-so just based on one, you can't base it on like one or two things, you know, to give somebody the blank of the blank. I think you have to, you know, there has to be a little more than that. But yeah, Moro again this week did the Harley Quinn thing with Alexa and it was just, ah. Like, like if that's if that's the main bullet point, I, I worry about her. Uh... I mean, I mean, it's not him because he almost seems like he would know better. Yeah, you would think he would know better. You would think he would know that she doesn't actually act like the Harley Quinn character at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Uh, so speaking of the women's division, though, you know, we did uh, get a promo last night. I think the the longest promo that Naomi has had uh, where Nikki Bella was was pretty much silent uh cutting a promo on uh carmella and natalia uh what'd you think about naomi on the mic talking about feeling the glow she still needs work yeah she's better though it was better better but for someone who comes off so likable on total divas she really i mean she's able to translate the likability to the regular shows but as far as speaking, she's just not a natural promo. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like something was, it was better than it has been before, but, and you could tell it was very tightly scripted. She had her line. Uh, but, you know, I have to say, I think Naomi has been uh, the the surprise standout, you know, in the women's division uh, of the, the women's six. Um, and, and noticeably, you know, even Marie's suspension is lifted, correct? And she is not back yet. So we're still, with the six women on SmackDown currently. Are we there yet? What, what, let me check. What day? Especially to have a reminder on your phone set to go, you know, just like Eve Marie suspension lifted. The ban is done. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was, let's see. When was she actually suspended? She was suspended on, let's see. It was before SummerSlam. It was before Summer SummerSlam, but are we, ju- are we quite there yet? August 18th. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy how time flies. Um, but so yeah, no, uh, no mention of Eve Marie yet on SmackDown. Um, well, you know what? I wonder if they're pissed off that she killed the all red everything gimmick. Too. <laughs> yeah, man. That's all she had, man. Um, so uh, let's, let's talk about Dolph Ziggler versus the Miz. I thought this was an interesting match. I like that Maurice got thrown out ringside and uh, the Miz won doing a variation on uh, the dirty trick that, that Maurice did last time with spraying Dolph Ziggler. Uh, but let me ask you this though. Do you feel like it has been a squandered opportunity that for the last week on social media, we heard so much about the Miz renegotiating his contract with Daniel Bryan. We saw Daniel Bryan do a tweet or two about, Oh my God, the Miz wants crazy things in his contract renegotiation. And they opened SmackDown with, well, it's really good that we renegotiated your contract, Miz. Um, you know, and by the way, here was this one clause that you have to actually defend your title. Do you, I mean, do you feel like they sort of blew a huge storytelling opportunity in, in not doing all that on the air and making that kind of part of the plot? Yes and no. No being because 
well, how much of a retread of some of the Ava Marie stuff would that be if he had excuses to not wrestle or wasn't wrestling because of the contract dispute? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's. I like the idea of the storyline, but I don't think it's something they could have done right now. I think, but it could have even been one or two vignettes um, on SmackDown. I think it could have built up some of the the suspense going into No Mercy. Um, perhaps raised the stakes a little bit and found a way to get us more invested in this back and forth with Ziggler in the Miz. I mean, I have to, I have to say for me, the reason why I'm invested in their feud is that this is giving the Miz a chance to do some different wrestling. Um, I mean, God, this is, this has been good for Ziggler, but I feel like, you know, especially that match at backlash was a real showcase for the Miz. Um, I just feel like story-wise, you know, so what are we going to have now? Uh, I I think there were, weren't the rumors that this could be leading up to a cage match or something of some sort. I'm assuming Maurice will be banned from ringside, but aside from that and getting rid of the interference and them having a true one-on-one match to determine who's the best and should be the intercontinental champion. I mean, do you see any other storyline angle there now, if the Miz's contract is renegotiated and all is hunky dory? Not really. I mean, it is a little weird that they sped it up so much. Yeah. And that even even the way they did it last night with the... I, I'm never a fan of you didn't read the fine print. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird that they called it out like, oh, he didn't even read the... Con-. I mean, you can't say that The Miz is in tough contract renegotiations in the story and then the storyline that, Oh, the Miz didn't even bother to read the final contract. You know, I just, I don't, I don't buy that. I know we're not supposed to take this all too seriously. Um, but I also think contract renegotiations, it's such, um, it's such a great trope of, of the situation comedy, really of any genre of storytelling. Right. I mean, I think, uh, the high water mark being set for the, uh, Hank's contract episode of the Larry Sanders show is perhaps the best of all contract negotiation plot lines, but uh, I just feel like they really, really wasted an opportunity here to do something interesting uh, to build upon the Miz and Daniel Bryan. I mean, if, if I was going to dink smack down for one thing in the storytelling sense, it's that since, you know, since that awesome promo, the Miz cut on talking smack, I feel like it has been a letdown that that it's it's led to a good in ring performance between the Miz. It's led to an OK feud with Dolph Ziggler. But I do not feel that the Miz and Daniel Bryan, I don't think they followed up on that at all and to anywhere near the fullest potential of what it could be. And this is just another example of them having a great opportunity and not seizing it. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole Daniel Bryan thing is weird. You know, we keep talking about this. If they're building towards a match between Bryan and Miz at WrestleMania, they're doing a heck of a job, but sure. It doesn't seem like they're doing that or you would hope not or think not given everything that's happened. <laughs> as far as the, I thought the match itself last night, as much as everyone seemed to really like the pay-per-view match, I thought this was much better than the pay-per-view match. I thought they had an excellent match. Miz is Miz had kind of quietly started to improve in the ring while also becoming a better personality, but these last few weeks, that that whole Daniel Bryan thing really you can see has a little fire under him. Oh yeah. No, I, I think he knows this is his moment and that he's had a lot of goodwill, but he's been kind of a sleeper in a way. I mean, you've seen the comments more and more online of people having this epiphany of like, hey, guys, I just noticed this. The Miz is actually like a really good heel. Like, didn't dawn on me till today. You know, like I've, I've seen those comments popping up more and more as time has gone on. And now this is his time to shine and really showcase. I mean, I, I think he's, uh, God, I mean... I would say he's my favorite heel that's currently working in the WWE. And I think that he just does an amazing job with uh, the, 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 whatever they've given him, 
you know, I mean, really, he's uh, he's really taken the ball and run with it. But yeah, the match, the match was definitely enjoyable. But uh, I just think with the contract thing, so weird, so weird that it would be like, I'm going to rene- renegotiate my contract. You're not going to believe what I'm going to ask for. Daniel Bryan being like, trying to negotiate his contract. I can't b- give him everything he wants. You won't believe what he asked for. Next episode. Hey, really glad we settled that contract. Got it all, got it all signed. <laughs> it's just I mean, a weird way of building it up and not delivering on it. Uh, so I want to talk about this. Did you watch Talking Smack last night? No. Okay. So when they've been showing those network promos, right? And they talk about everything that's coming up. We got the the drunk history, uh, WWE or whatever, the, the story, the animated stories uh, the WWE is, is doing. I, I think of it like drunk history because Ric Flair is uh, the promo they showed during the first one. But they're doing a WWE animated wrestler stories. Uh, you get the Hogan sound clips. And they show the pay-per-views and they show No Mercy. And they had a woman's voice that when I first heard it, I was like, was that Maurice? And it is Maurice going like, no mercy. And it was like, that's a weird angle. Like, wonder what they're taking there if they're using like, you know, the female voiceover with it. At the end of Talking Smack, they showed a 30-second bit, and I tried to find it online, but I didn't see it anywhere yet. I'm sure it'll go up soon. A 30-second parody of the old Calvin Klein ads of, like, Obsession, uh, starring The Miz and Maurice with, like, No Mercy packaged like a perfume. And I have to say it was, you know, one of those bat-ass crazy like out of nowhere parodies. And I love that this is what they're doing to sell the pay-per-view on it. So whatever they've been doing with Maurice and having her spray Dolph Ziggler and the Miz spraying Dolph Ziggler. Now we know why. I mean, the, so it seems like the, the spray bottle, the pump spray, the no mercy in a bottle, that's going to be the little hook that they uh, base all the no mercy promotion around. Um, but I have to recommend when it goes online, I recommend everyone watch it. It's just, it's again, we talk about sort of outdated pop culture references. It's like Vince just, you know, either remembered or saw that SNL parody uh, uh, from like 1987 with Phil Hartman of the okay, Calvin Klein obsession. Say, which one were you talking, which, which ad campaign were you talking about? So we're talking about like the obsession era Oh, yeah. Weird avant-garde ads. We're not talking about like the black and white ones or the jeans. No, nope. we're talking about the perfume, the perfume yes. one that they did where they did the compulsion parody on SNL. That yes, one. exactly. That is the one I speak of. That is what these ads are like. Um, and again, it's just it's it's crazy because it's just like, when's the last time they did this for I mean, tables, ladders, ladders and chairs, kind of they've done some funny stuff with. But I mean, this is full over the top for No Mercy that they're that they're promoting it you know, with these uh, avant-garde ads. And I love that. I love that they're doing something a little different with it. It seems like, I mean, I can't think of any specific examples, but I do recall them doing this semi-regularly that maybe not as weird as that, but that they'll try to have fun with it. And now that it doesn't really matter as much, it seems like they're more willing to just be weird. Yeah. Yeah. So no, and I love- I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see this one, though, even if, like you said, it's a parody of something from 20 years ago Longer that was that. parodied about as effectively as possible at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but so the Miss and Maurice front and center uh, in these ads. And I think it's also interesting. Um, what do you think? Because I feel like a lot of people are feeling this, but we have Clash of the Champions coming up this Sunday. We have No Mercy coming up two weeks from Sunday. We're a month away from Hell in a Cell. I mean, do you think the fact that they're they're starting to promote the SmackDown pay-per-view before the next Raw pay-per-view even happens? You know, it used to be that we would start getting the, the pay-per-view promos the weekend of the 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 pay-per-view that precedes it. I mean, do you feel like this just really drives home like like, oh my God, there's there's 19 pay-per-views throughout the year. <laughs> How are we gonna handle this this many Sundays, you know? 
in what sense though i mean that in the confusion sense or do i think they're doing i mean because i think in in the end i mean what they're doing is to be more effective and promote everything longer i mean so they're doing the right thing but they it's just it's hard to follow like i'm wondering if maybe they should just they shouldn't be as specific mm -hmm. until after the other pay-per-view has passed and maybe that's the way to do well, it that's the way they used to do it they would do it the weekend of right like you would sit down to watch money in the bank you know i mean case in point example of literally what happened this year you'd watch money at the bank hey they're de they're debuting a new wwe network promo around money in the bank and in that promo that would run at the top of the show they're going to tease hey battleground you're going to get battleground as part of this you know uh, and then later i think it would normally be before the main event when they cut to commercial they would show you the the 30 second promo for the next pay-per-view um somewhere near the the end of the card you know coming up to it that was the tradition that they've been in for a while now in the network but no more because there's so many of these goddamn pay-per-views that they have to start promoting them you know to remind you that it's upcoming and uh here we are again clash of the champions coming up sunday but already promoting no mercy which is coming up in two weeks i can't really blame them but it makes me wish besides just having pay-per-views that they did what they did during the original brand split at the beginning until they merged all of them and just alternated months because e even with some of the flawed stuff during that period like especially raw back then which was not very good mm -hmm. i liked the, the long-term direction in the way that they had to book knowing that their pay-per-views were spaced a couple months apart yeah well and that's the thing uh you know it feels like I see. I feel like the writing. I feel. I feel like they have a better sense of where they want to go in terms of story now. Uh, at least on SmackDown, right? I mean, if you're going to compare SmackDown to Raw, and we, we could talk about this a little later. I feel like SmackDown well, knows what we talked about last week. SmackDown feels more episodic than Raw. Yeah, SmackDown knows. You know, the SmackDown. But granted, Raw. Now it's sort of unfair to judge that Raw had to completely replace their first Universal Champion. You know, and and redo whatever storylines they had planned within 24 hours, and how that trickled down and affected other divisions. Um, but yeah, SmackDown knows more what they're doing. I think it's just going to dawn on people, you know. And then the problem is uh, they might be at the point of cannibalization where some fans might be just like, "Hey, this is too much wrestling. This is just too much. I'm going to pick one or the other, SmackDown or Raw, as opposed to to, to consuming all of it." You know, I mean, do you, do you think we're at peak wrestling yet in the WWE? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the cruiserweight, with the cruiserweight, the classic. Week, though. What's that? Look at last week, especially. Yeah. Yeah, with the cruiserweight classic. I mean, thank God that's over. Um, I, I did something unheard of, you know, and, and I want to talk about this, about sort of the state of NXT and where that's at. But I mean, I, I did not watch NXT. Uh, I, I waited an entire week and watched two weeks back to back. And I, I haven't done that in a year um, because it just it was too much. You know, I think it was uh, after uh, Backlash. And with everything else going on with the Cruiserweight Classic, I, I just had to skip it. I couldn't watch it week by week. I, you know, it was just, it was too much to add into the mix when you're doing eight hours, you know. And now granted, uh, Superstars and Main Event, like I'll just put that on in the background 
uh, like Saturday or Sunday while I'm cooking or doing something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that we're, I mean, with the Cruiserweight Classic, we were up, you know, close to 10 hours a week on a non-pay-per-view week if you were to watch all WWE in-ring programming. And uh, I don't know if the fan base, I know the fan base is hardcore, but I, I guess that's my question. And people can chime in on the comments of this. You know, how much is too much? You know, could they sustain, should they just bring back, you know, Sunday night heat at this point, if we're going to have a pay-per-view every other Sunday, why not just have a weekly Sunday show at that point, you know? Yeah. And last week, I mean, last week was 10 and a half hours of live program. Yeah. And that's not counting, you know, uh, inked or unfiltered or ride along or legends with JBL. And, well, that's not even counting NXT. Yeah. I was just saying last week was, that's all just the live stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can see it, right? You see it on Sundays. I mean, look, Raj, Raj Giri, uh, Wrestling Inc. founder, is a young man. People don't know how young he is. Why does he look so old? Because when you see him on these podcasts after a pay-per-view, you know, a big weekend, it's because he has to watch six hours of wrestling and then discuss it with Vince Russo. That'll age anyone prematurely. Not nearly as old as you think he is. It's the wrestling. You know what, though? Huh. You know what I bet can make, us feel, make him feel less old? <laughs> DDP Yoga. DDP Yoga. Now, if you've been watching uh, SmackDown or Raw and you see the shape, God, Monday Night Raw, look at the shape that Mick Foley's in. Look at the shape Chris Jericho is in. They swear by DDP Yoga. It's changed countless lives. Many of the past and current roster have benefited immensely from it. Look at Scott Hall. Look at Jake Roberts. Oh, my God. Look at Goldust. Goldust is in the best shape of his life. Look at where Dustin Reynolds was in his TNA run. Look at him now. You know what's made the difference? DDP Yoga. DDP has taken it to another level with the DDP Yoga Now app on iOS and Android devices, so you got no excuse because you can take it with you anywhere. And the cool thing about their new app is that you can track more than just DDP Yoga workouts. By connecting it to a Bluetooth heart rate monitor, you can track your calories and heart rate in real time. So if you're at the gym, on your DDP Yoga mat, or even while you're out mowing the lawn or running errands, you know what's going on with your uh, level of activity. All the fitness tracking features, including pain tracking, measurements, progress photos, and more, are completely free in the DDP Yoga Now app. And DDP Yoga Now premium subscribers won't get tired of doing the same workouts over and over again because they've added completely new DDP Yoga 2.0 workouts, weekly live workouts straight from the DDP Yoga Performance Center, and motivational messages every Monday from DDP himself. DDP even hosts his own cooking show on the app, and he shows you how to make healthy food taste amazing. For a limited time, you can get the DDP Yoga DVDs for 15% off plus three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app. Head on over to ddpyoga.com slash wrestling inc. Stop procrastinating and get started now. That's ddpyoga.com slash wrestling inc. We thank DDP Yoga for sponsoring the show. Ah, So what did you think last night about Randy Orton versus Eric Rowan as a way of... Uh, keeping this feud going with uh, Orton and Bray Wyatt. I looked at the mask and I was just thinking, oh, someone watched the leader decay new <laughs> mask with the clown stuff on the cheat mask. Oh, so that's what it was in a reference to That's I would think so. I mean, why else would all, would he have cl clown paint designs on the I thought mask? All he time? was not only a sheep, but a hobo clown, you know, with his, with his bindle. Just out there entertaining folks for maybe some hobo chili. <laughs> like I don't know, it was weird. With it was weird. Hobo spices. Yes, with secret hobo spices, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was very strange to me to use Rowan as the stand-in uh, with this. Uh, you know, I mean, the match. Look, the match was 
what it was. Randy Orton won. Um, it seemed relatively short. We saw a Bray Wyatt promo at the end. I liked the use of the first cuts. I liked Rowan disappearing from the ring, the mask being all that's left. Um, what's Bray Wyatt's angle at this point? Forget the history. If I'm brand new and I'm watching wrestling, he's like some weird, surly, surly juggalo life coach. Like, what's what's his character? <laughs> what does he want to do? What's his motivation? Uh, he wants to learn how magnets work. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's if, like, okay, so if Bray Wyatt worked at your company, right? Like, I would put, uh, let's say Bray Wyatt's your IT guy. I would stick him in the basement and be like, okay, this dude's creepy and wants to talk to me about, like, I don't know, he's like a weird Jehovah's Witness or something. Let's just stick him in his office in the basement out of, out of the way from people because he just talks a lot. Uh, you know, I, I feel like now that's how it's coming across. He's no longer from the compound. He's, like, got his one friend, Eric Rowan, and uh, he really wants to get you involved in going to church or maybe uh, involve you in a pyramid scheme like Amway. I don't know. What's, what's his... What's his thing? He's trying to show Randy something. He's trying to teach Randy something. What's what's his motivation at this point? Um, it's Bray Wyatt, so it's just a bunch of nonsense that theoretically is supposed to sound mysterious. Yes. It's it's again. Vince watched a documentary on Charles Manson and saw Cape Fear with Robert De Niro. I went, I've got this idea for a character. Uh it's it's very weird. It's just and it's I, I and we like Bray. We like Bray in this podcast. We think Bray has a lot of potential. You know, Raj uh, called it out uh, on our Raw recap with with Matt Morgan. Why on earth aren't they bringing Bo Dallas and having him work with Bray? And uh, my idea is take it a step further that, you know, Bray Wyatt raised as an orphan, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Sister Abigail, you know, who who uh, was so kind to him. Uh, Bo Dallas shows up. Let's take a page from real life. His long lost brother separated at birth. You know, and it's it's like perfect strangers. The two have to learn how to get along. Maybe they share an apartment together, you know, room together on the road. And we've got, you know, Big City Bo and Backwoods Bray. And uh, how are they ever going to form an unlikely friendship? Uh, you know, they got to do something, man, because it's just the, the, we don't even have the Wyatt family. We've got the Wyatt friend. We got Eric Rowan. Can you be a cult leader successfully with only one follower? Um. Well. Luke Harper's knee apparently is better and he got cleared. So that's two. That's two potentially. Do you think they're going to bring Harper to SmackDown? Hmm. Since he wasn't officially drafted by anyone. See, the thing is he can do well on his own, but the others need him. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I thought his little run where he was this weird, like higher. Thanks for bearing with us, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I think we uh, probably, even amidst our technical difficulties, got to the bottom of uh, what they're doing or not doing with Bray Wyatt. And uh, have you heard anything about when Luke Harper is going to actually re-debut? No. no. Gotcha. Uh, so we had a, a bit of a, a, a truncated match that never really got going last night with Naomi and Nikki Bella versus Carmella and Natalia. Um, what do you think about them furthering this angle that Carmella just does not care and is just going to, you know, it's going it's to become like the chicken fight from Family Guy with Carmella attacking Nikki Bella every chance possible? Did you want to see the actual tag match last night? Was this was this disappointing to you that didn't happen? Or, or what do you think about this, this storyline? Um, I was probably, I mean, I've been fine with the women's matches on SmackDown. 
but um I was I was also fine with not having that match. Although I really <laughs> I, I I'm not a Carmella fan. Gotcha. Well, you know, they they're not giving her the mic anymore. It's to the WWE's credit, they realized after one week, maybe it was two, that Carmella's new extended little intro at the beginning was not working as well as her NXT intro. And they said, you know what? We'll just have her moonwalk. She doesn't need a microphone. Princess of Staten Island, we can we can imply that. The audience will infer that. Maybe she'll say that in interviews, but we don't need her to come out and do that whole rhyming thing. Let's save that for Bo Dallas and his awesome new gimmick on Raw. Uh, but yeah, I feel like uh, they're, they're heavily building up. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in No Mercy. Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, uh, where Carmella was a guest, talked about doing a no DQ match between Carmella and Nikki Bella, but he had to get approval for it, which I thought was funny that he mentioned it Renee Young popped at the idea. Oh, what and, match? She broke uh, up for a second. Oh, no DQ. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It sounded more exotic than that somehow being bur- when it broke up. Yeah, well, you know, maybe the WWE writers can take a page from our, our audio hiccup. But uh, no, so he talked about this idea of a no DQ match. And it was funny as Renee was like, oh, that's great. I'd love to see that. And Daniel was like, I have to get approval. And then he didn't get approval throughout the episode. Uh, no update came through on it. But I think, uh, you know, at this point, that that's the only place it can build, right? I mean, we're going to see a proper Carmella Nikki Bella match where Nikki probably wins to coincide with the debut of Total Bellas only on E Entertainment, not on the network, as some people are speculating. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see her just kind of elbow Carmella in the face and put the speed <laughs> out of its misery. Hey, it's something, man. Hey, I mean, look, I, I to SmackDown's credit, SmackDown is two thirds of the show. Raw is in length. And I feel like they do more with their women's division every week than, than Raw does. You know, Raw gives Fascinating, us... Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, because I think they take it more seriously. And, uh, you know, we, we should talk about this uh, after hitting on the main event. But you, you can really tell that some of the powers that be from NXT are now in creative at SmackDown. Because it feels, to me, SmackDown more and more each week feels like where NXT was six months ago or a year ago. You know, like people that understand how to use the women's division properly, that understand how to map out a storyline that has a satisfying conclusion. I feel like, you know, SmackDown has inherited all these traits, whereas Raw, and again, not entirely their fault because of the Finn Balor injury, but Raw does not feel as concise and rewarding as a, as a viewer. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that is Ryan Ward. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn are also not uh, tinkering yeah, is the word I'll use to be kind with SmackDown. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some tinkering. So, I mean, it's a much more enjoyable and watchable show. Yeah. Well, it's just, and it's, and again, we say this every week, Raw, oh my God, I can't believe it's three hours. SmackDown, that was only two hours? Wow, that flew by. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, not burying what a lot of people thought was uh, the big story of the night, that we had John Cena versus Dean Ambrose that ended with uh, Ambrose pinning Cena clean. And this is the first time since, what, 2009 that Cena has lost clean on uh, Raw or SmackDown? It was, it was something like six or seven years is what I saw. It was, it was since the, the, the figure I saw was something like six or seven years since the last time he lost on SmackDown or lost clean on SmackDown, something like that. Yeah, and it was to Triple H. I believe uh, 2009 was the statistic I read. But uh, so what did you think of the match? Do you think that that loss is not as surprising given that Cena lost clean to AJ Styles at Backlash? 
do you feel like that sort of overshadows this? Uh, I mean, it's interesting that they did this on free TV though, and that they did it as, as a roll up as opposed to a finisher or anything. If, if just because formula wise, they normally, especially in main events, they normally just stick to the whole finisher, you know, finisher, finisher, finisher dynamic. So that surprised me. I mean, that came out of nowhere in a good way. I I liked that finish. And I liked how it kind of then set up everything with the angle to close the show. And good match. It wasn't especially long. Last last few weeks, the SmackDown main events have been kind of oddly short, I would say, all things considered. But good match, interesting segment, interesting booking. And I mean, I thought they did a good job using this to get some forward momentum towards the pay-per-view match. Although I, I feel like for anyone in spoiler alert, for anyone that's not paying attention to this, I mean, with, with all the news stories about Cena being out, again after no mercy do you feel like i mean that just completely takes away any suspense and i know we talked about this do we we save him mm-hmm. tying flair's record for wrestlemania but it just seemed odd to me it's like okay cena is now lost to aj cena is now lost to dean next week we're gonna have dean versus aj for the title but still the triple threat match with them and cena is booked for no mercy i mean you know i can't wait to see the vegas has on this but i think cena is going to be a huge long shot you know in the lead up to no mercy uh, for the people that bet on professional wrestling. The Vegas uh, odds, don't you mean the offshore odds? Yes, the offshore, pardon me. Uh, the offshore, uh, yeah, because even Vegas is like, bet on professional wrestling. What kind of idiot does that? You know, and overseas, they're like, we'll tell you what kind of idiots, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's, it, I mean, see, there's no way Cena wins at no mercy at this point. Like, Yeah, I, I think AJ is keeping the title. I think it's pretty yeah. clear. But I have to say, uh, last night again, talking smack. Now I know you didn't watch it, but anyone out there, Dean Ambrose was the guest for the last uh, half of talking smack, and again, Ambrose just killing it on the mic. You know, going out there. Uh, I think last night was uh, probably better than a lot of the promos he's cut on SmackDown or at the pay per views. In recent memory, you know, I think that when they give him a little freedom with his character, he really, really shines. And uh, I know there's this thought of maybe he was a disappointment as champion. That's why they put an AJ into the role. But I, I have to say, I mean, right now, between the two of who I think is better as far as character wise, I, I don't know. AJ is a heel in this current incarnation. I'm not saying AJ is a heel entirely, but do, but do you like this current incarnation of AJ as a heel with the sort of stealing catchphrases and being so sort of over the top? with it i think they run the risk of maybe going a little too far with it but as it is right now i like it gotcha um i think ambrose ambrose is better as the underdog you know maybe that's why ambrose didn't work so well as the champ but aj is the is the champ being like a heel champion i don't know Uh, you know it's it's very interesting to me i mean in the long term so if they're keeping the belt on aj do do you think they keep him heel or do you think there's a face turn in his future I think there's a face turn eventually, just not yet. I think right now he's a good fit as both as champion and as a heel. Yeah, and you look at you look at his big run, you know, after he left TNA, and a lot of the best work like in New Japan was as a heel. So that does seem where he's best suited for now. And I mean, even before these last few years, like when he was still kind of finding himself, he was always better as a heel. It's really in the last few years that he's really been like a well-rounded babyface. Um. But so for now, I do think he is better as a heel. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens in No Mercy and how they have him retaining the belt in the triple threat match. But do you, do you think Cena's going to eat the pin in No Mercy? 
Hmm. Um. If he's go, if he's going, yes. If he, I mean, if he's staying, it it depends on where they're going with it as far as like which what match is next. To, to so what's what is the next uh, SmackDown pay per view after that? I do not know off the top of my head. It's in November. I know that much. It's the oh, one. Well, there is in... no SmackDown pay per view November. It's Survivor Series. Gotcha. It's combined. Yeah. Well, that explains it. Uh, and that would be a great time to have Cena return. Although I think he's scheduled to do one other. Is, does he have a live date or something that, that was scheduled in those news articles in between? Not sure. Yeah. He's got, he's got something that's scheduled. I, I don't recall what it is. So, uh, but or, so do, do you think that, that Cena's loss to Styles overshadowed last night what we saw with him losing to Ambrose? Uh, but what, I mean, what do you mean by overshadowed in the sense that it didn't feel as momentous as it could because? Yeah, because because he just lost clean to AJ Styles in a pay per view. It's not you know what I mean. Like when Cena loses, it's a big deal statistically. Looking at the last ten years, especially when Cena loses clean. Um, but I feel like I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's notable, <laughs> but it's not like oh my god. Which some people had that reaction. I mean, doing it on TV is different, though. Doing it with kind of a flash pin is different. And I like, too, how they, how they well, maybe more JBL sold it as, yeah, it was kind of quick and it wasn't necessarily expected, but this isn't an upset. I, I liked the way that that they uh, got over the magnitude. Because a lot of time in WWE, when you do kind of a sudden roll-up like that, it's a weird afterthought. The actual finish is the afterthought to, as a backdrop to some angle or something. Not here. It was just, he beat him clean. Yeah. He was the better wrestler. <laughs> but all in all, I have to say pretty good episode, pretty good episode of SmackDown. Uh, you know, absolutely flew by. And I know we talked about this. So, I mean, uh, wh- give everyone for clarity, the, the head writer's name that left NXT is now. That would be uh, Ryan Ward. Gotcha. And how long has he been at SmackDown? Just since the, uh, the new era, quote unquote. Uh, no, it's longer than that. Let me take a quick because it was reported at the time, Ryan, or it becomes smack down head writer. I know this is fascinating. Let's see. And even it's before, been the it's been a while, but you're feeling it more now that it's its own brand. It's not like he had much he could do. Uh, he was promoted to SmackDown in March. Although, you know, leading up to the draft and the brand split, there were, I mean, SmackDown did start doing stuff differently with the cold opens, with the little interview vignettes at the top of the show. Um, so, I mean, you could definitely sort of feel that, that something has changed. They're not treating it like the B show. Sure. Uh, you know, at least at least the people putting it on are treating it like the B show. Did you think it was weird last night that um, that Otunga and uh, he made reference? I think Moro made reference. I'm pretty sure JBL made a reference calling SmackDown the A show, like like it was them so almost sort of lampshading this idea of being like that's why SmackDown's the A show, David. You know, I mean, it was it was kind of weird that to have them calling out this difference between the two using that language specifically i mean i don't think so i mean they've kind of done that before that's part of the uh whole dynamic here it seems like is that they're trying to push the competition on the air that it's not just oh totally no i thought but the, the or are you saying more just that they use the term a show they use the term a show because smackdown has been referred to as the b show for as long as i can remember i feel like they have done that before though yeah 
It was just, it was a little interesting. I, I noticed last night because it happened a couple times in last night's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that being said, what do, what do you think about, uh, before we wrap up, where do you think about where NXT is at currently in comparison to SmackDown, given that now we have creative and a large portion of uh, the NXT roster that's been graduated? NXT feels kind of stale right now. I mean, they have some good talent, but it just, I don't, don't think there's really a lot of uh, I don't know what's a lot of direction. I mean, you know, the authors of Pain Push doesn't really feel like it's working. <laughs> Nakamura's champion is good, but and I guess Joe has to get his rematch. But there's Joe feels kind of stale there. He feels like he should be on the main roster. He feels like he's killing time. It, it just between specials, it just does not. It doesn't feel like it's moving in a in a certain direction as much as it used to. What it feels like to me, and I'll give you three references, uh, 1980 to 81, 1985 to 86, and 1994 to 95. Those seasons of Saturday Night Live is what NXT feels like to me right now. A transitional rebuilding phase with, hey, we just launched all of our stars. We've still got David Spade sticking around and doing an update. You know, it's like we still got one or two people, you know, but uh, aside from that, here's a bunch of new talent. You should really care about them. Let's give them I like their the time 85 comparison. So does that make Nakamura, Samojo and Bobby Roode the equivalent of in some form of Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest? And um, now I'm drawing a blank. Who was the third like name coming into that season? Uh, Harry Shear. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, actually, I was going to say 85 to 86. I think that makes them like the John Lovitz, Nora Dunn, uh, you know, like the, the people with potential that we're going to keep when we get rid of everyone else. Um, um, so that makes uh, the authors of pain, Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, God, I don't even know if I put them on that level. I think we might be, you know, more like Terry Sweeney and Damon Wayans. Uh, but they were I, actually good. On, <laughs> I mean, they're kind of the highlights of that team. Yeah, I, I actually thought Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall were are, are underrated for the 85 to 86 SNL season. But uh, but it, it feels like that, though. You know, I mean, it feels like we, like so let's go further, like Nakamura, like the Eddie Murphy of, you know, the the 80 to 81 season, you know, which makes Samoa Joe the Joe Piscopo. Uh, and we're just all the comedy sports entertainment nerds are really, really digging on these references, I'm sure. But uh, but I think that's the thing, though. It's like you have the situations where you had all your marquee guys gone. You've got some new talent. You've got some people that are very promising. But then you have a lot of people that are like, uh, why do I care about this guy? You know, like. uh it's just, it's not connecting. It's not hitting, you know? And I think with the authors of pain, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it feels forced to me, you know, like we want it to be something much more than it is. Yeah. And also, I mean, people who you thought could have ended up being used on TV, like Rich Swan, I mean, he just did the Cruiserweight Classic and went to the main roster. He didn't even really have an NXT TV run, if at all. I mean, I forget. I'm trying to remember if he had any matches on TV if he was only being used at the house shows. But so he he's not even in the equation. Um, Bobby Roode is clearly there to have someone who can be like, you know, kind of a player coach. And he's doing well, but he doesn't fit quite into the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think he can carry it. Like the the it, that he can't couldn't carry it. No, 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 so you know, what I mean, I think he's good, but yeah. I think his entrance is is well glorious to be to be honest. Uh, but, 
<laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, they got the entrance, they got the gimmick, it's all good, but something's not connecting though. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not the monster heel that is like the big bad guy in the company. I think Samoa Joe is still doing a better job with that. Yeah, but he also just feels like he's treading water and needs to be gone too. He need, he feels like like Nakamura at least he's very kind of like he's kind of the wrestling geek favorite, so I can see he you know and the current kind of hot one, so I can see why you would keep him on NXT, even though of course he's also met ready for the main roster and kind of always was. Yeah, but Joe just feels like he's done everything he could. But wasn't the original idea with Joe? I don't remember where I read this. I think it was after Takeover. But that, but there was a lot of press going around this thing, like you know, Joe is there to as enhancement talent, but name enhancement talent, kind of like the the thinking was with Oscar originally is that Oscar's there as to have a big name enhancement talent that has some cred that can draw some wrestling nerds, but ultimately. I thought the idea with Oscar and Joe is that they weren't being groomed for a call up. If anything, maybe they were being groomed to be coaches, um, you know, and trainers behind the scenes in the long term. Uh, similar, but but I'm sure that model is out the window now with NXT being its own popular touring brand and the brand split. Yeah, and Joe, I mean Joe, Joe's role has changed a bunch since he first signed. You know, first he was gonna he had the contract where he could work anywhere else unless it was on TV. Then they changed that because he signed because well he was going to do a dark match at Ring of Honor and they kind of realized oh this lets him work ROH if he's not on TV so then they changed his contract and now uh, and then he just became like I don't really have a good understanding whether or not he was under a developmental contract or if he was under some other regular contract but in NXT yeah and now. It's, he feels again it's just it's too he's done everything he can there i don't i don't see what you do with him after he loses the rematch i i, I, I really hope he gets called up after that cuz otherwise he's just, I, I don't feel like it being good for him i mean if you want to use him as a player coach sure i mean that's fine but it's just you have to book him differently you have to book him more on the undercard which to, it, at this point doesn't feel like a good fit for him yeah uh, I mean, do, do you, what do you think is the most promising of people in NXT? You know, uh, uh, up until a week ago, if you would have asked me in the women's division, I would have said Liv Morgan, but her promo last week, man, and I really like Liv Morgan a lot. I mean, I've seen her wrestle at NXT house shows. Um, she's one of the rare wrestlers. Her, her her real name is actually better than her ring name, um, you know, which I'm surprised they didn't keep with Jonna Dadio. You know, I think Dadio is a much better. Uh, I always thought that was a made up name whenever I saw it. No. I, I, I mean, I eventually I learned it was a real name. So yeah, she, uh, I'm trying to think but, who. So who else is on that list? Ricky Steamboat is Richard Blood. Yeah. Dick Blood. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Of course. Yeah. You know, you always hear those stories that people tell me, oh, come on. Dick Blood's a great name for a heel. Yeah, yeah. Ron Killings. Ron Killings. Is, Ron uh, Killings, although we use that for a long time. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm missing a really obvious one. Yeah, there's a couple that are good. There's a, uh, it's, it's a recurrent Reddit thread. It seems every couple months. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Liv Morgan, she's got in-ring ability, but it was just her promo. I was like, oh, this explains why we haven't really heard her talk you know, in the, the six months that they've been rolling her out on TV, uh, her going up against Oscar. I mean, yeah. I mean, we know, look, we know how that's going to end. It's, it's purely placeholder, you know, uh, for, uh, Ember moon. And then that 
building up to it. But that's the thing, man. It's like there's there's some potential, and I think Liv Morgan could be really really good. And they, if they can develop a character for her that's not like you know inheriting Carmela's gimmick. Um, so I think Liv Morgan has potential. I think some of the other signees have potential, and people TV talent that they've been rolling out. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like going into the next takeover. Like I'm going to watch it, but there's nothing I'm super excited about. Probably yeah, Ember Moon versus Asuka. Yeah. Other than that, it doesn't really feel like there's anything, any like big matches you can build to right now. I mean, I guess eventually we'll get Nakamura and Rude, but that doesn't feel like, oh, well, I need to see this like Nakamura versus Joe or Nakamura versus Aries or Nakamura versus uh, Sami Zayn. Yeah. And I like TM61, but I feel like I don't know anything really about their characters. You know, it's it's to me, it's, they're just kind of placeholder tag teams. Uh, Authors they're of good. Pain, they're, but they've no, they're very good, as, and they've been booked on, but they've been booked as prelim guys. They haven't been booked. Yeah, I mean, and the revival having the belts. I mean, the revival are still the most established there. You know, in terms of like, I know what their shtick is. I mean, it's what's funny is I thought the revival, like, I know they're supposed to be old school. No, the sort of no gimmick is their gimmick. Um, but I have to say, like, now the revival really, like, they they didn't look as polished or great compared to Enzo and Cass or American Alpha. But now compared to everyone else, I mean, the revival, that's like entertainment gold compared to to some of the other stuff that we're seeing in NXT currently. So yeah, it's, it's rebuilding. Um, and then behind the scenes creatively, that also makes a lot of sense, you know, with uh, the head writer going to SmackDown and uh, we'll see, we'll see how it continues to, to grow and develop. Other than that, I don't think anything else really of note happened this week. A lot of announcements about WWE 2K17 and the DLC uh, wrestling Inc. Of course, has all the stories and coverage. Uh, any surprises on the list that you've seen as far as who they're, they're including in the DLC or who they're not haven't announced um... yet. I guess Kerry Von Erich was a little surprising because I mm-hmm. don't think he's been in a WWE game before. He might have. I'm trying to think if he was in any of the 16-bit games as Texas Tornado. Maybe. He might have. Like, it might uh, like maybe the Genesis version of Super WrestleMania or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have feel pre-ordered. like he might have been in one. But other than that, I don't think he has been. I think his only video game appearance other than maybe something like that would have been the Acclaim Legends of Wrestling games. Hmm. Well, I pre-ordered it, uh, but I have to say, seeing all this footage they're showing of the backstage fights and the graphics, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I know this, the franchise has had sort of a spotty history, but are, I mean, are you excited about 2K17 based on everything you've seen? I haven't actually been following it as closely as usable. So is the backstage stuff playable or are those just... Uh, no, it's playable. You can take your fights to the backstage. I mean, I always liked that in the previous games. So, I mean, I think that's cool. I, honestly, the biggest change I'm noticing in the last couple of years is now now with the push for NXT mm-hmm. it allows the games to be a lot more up to date because you're putting people in the game because they're in NXT well they were in NXT 6 months ago when the roster was locked you know uh, did they i feel could have sworn i saw someone fairly like surprising in one of the uh, roster reveals yeah like, i saw as far as recent being recent i saw i mean the Austin Aries and the revival were announced as DLC Gallows and Anderson are going to be a DLC, uh, you know, so it's, it's a lot of it. I mean, they're going to have Nakamura playable if you order the NXT pack to start with. But I, yeah, I don't like how much DLC they do. Yeah. And that, well, but you know what though, the creator wrestlers that people make there are pretty, pretty good. Um, all you're missing out on, you know, of course, but you know, the entrance, the music, everything down to that. You the can, commentary. Yeah. And the commentary. Um, 
but yeah, I, you know, I really like 2K16. In fact, I enjoyed the NXT experience so much. And I think I just played it, got to be NXT champ. And then I was like, why would I want to go to the main roster? NXT is where it's at, you know? <laughs> but uh, hey, what, are, what are your feelings on this franchise as a whole? Because I thought last year, if not the best in the entire, you know, whatever it is now, 17-year history of the series, I thought it was certainly the best in a very long time. Oh, but yeah. I still feel like it's just very flawed. I still... I still look at it and it's like that that's the that's the engine you decided to go with you know especially yeah. since there were others around i mean ukes even had a better you know engine for when they did the day of reckoning games for the gamecube i really like those i don't know if you did you ever play those god i'm trying to think of the last ones i really really got into um of, of the current or recent console era i mean i feel like intermittently i've revisited the series 2k16 is the one i spent the most time with by far probably since the 2010 edition of the games um but i think part of the problem is that with wrestling you're not going to have the the fighting game responsiveness because you need to set up these moves and then the execution of these moves you know play goes into an animation um so i think it's a very tough thing to get the the play mechanics right when you're trying to combine chain wrestling holds jumping off the ropes you know all these different mechanics and you're never going to get that seamless feeling of say a street fighter or mortal Kombat. i don't think it's supposed to be that though yeah and i think they've gone a little too far with it in terms of how elaborate everything gets and then oh yeah i mean i like the i like the idea of that your wrestler's kind of selling and that there's maybe a little bit of a delay where you can't do anything but i think they let that go on way too long and at times when you're playing but and it's definitely improving they seem to have a better handle on it than they used to so i mean i'm looking forward to see how much you know what we're getting as far as changes and improvements I and mean, they and you know last year last year there was a lot of cool stuff in the dlc you know a lot of surprising stuff they had oh, the, yeah. you know the faux tokyo dome in it's, the Ric player matches so i mean i thought it's a fun game. And with the sales that they have, I mean, you can pick up a copy easily for 40 bucks. And I think you'll definitely get $40 worth of entertainment. I mean, think about back in the days when we used to pay for pay-per-views uh, on our cable system. And I Oh, think, God. Uh, when they got to the point where pay-per-views are 45 or 50, or then <laughs> when it was 55 HD, it was like, in my head, it's like, this is what people are not buying pay-per-views because they have something they can directly compare it to that's the same price for entertain- yeah. entertainment-wise. And you're getting, you know, less than three hours compared to however many hours. You know, even a good but short video game is still going to be way more than three hours. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd say it's probably the best $40 you can toss at the WWE short of going to a live show. <laughs> you know, that, that's my feeling on the video games. But uh, yeah, it comes out. I uh, got two weeks, two weeks away. So we'll, oh, it's we'll okay. I got to make sure I'm getting my review copy then. Yeah. October uh, 10th or no, pardon me, October 11th. Tuesday. Oh, okay yeah because i was i honestly i hadn't been keeping track too close and usually they come out later later in october mm-hmm. yeah so we'll see so i'm sure we'll have lots to talk about there and uh you know probably probably a chance as we get closer i'll give out my gamer tag we can play online you know with the audience uh oh wait are you on xbox though? i'm on xbox one yeah uh, uh, but yeah, I, you know, with 2K16, I spent a lot of time, a lot of late nights playing that game, getting very intricate with designing my, my entrance, you know, and with my name, you know, I know we got to wrap up because the show's going long, but could, would it kill you to have the name Glenn in there? just of your entire list they don't have the name glenn in they there? don't have glenn in there and uh, you know i tried to pick something kind of jewish uh i went with uh guy goldman which that's as jewish as it gets and then it was weird that they had like all these different <laughs> occupations in there you know so i had my entrance be like guy goldman the webmaster that's not the worst gimmick i've ever heard of uh but yeah it's very very weird and uh, some of these things are very esoteric 
that they pick for the different professions and names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a more common name than me, but I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that someone else does the, what is the most Jewish name I can find thing <laughs> when they're doing a creator wrestler. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. You gotta, you know, come up with something to keep it interesting, but I know I'm excited. I'm excited this year, but, but, Oh, I hope and pray. And they're not going to do it. Let us import our music again. I want to be able to use my own music for the entrance. I'm tired of having to pick between the generic themes and the established themes, you know, when, when designing my wrestler. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see. So uh, let's wrap it up. Take it home. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. If you like the show, please leave us a comment leave us a rating, subscribe on iTunes or YouTube, follow us on Twitter. You can find David's Twitter and my own in the show notes on wrestlinginc.com. Now, uh, Sunday night, Vince Russo, Matt Morgan, Raj Geary will be here to discuss Clash of the Champions and the results there. David, very quickly, do you think any any titles change at Clash of the Champions, the Raw pay-per-view on Sunday? Ooh. Um, hmm. Let me think for a second. So the world title, I mean, I'm drawing a blank because I've been in SmackDown mode now yes. for the last hour or so, and I'm just trying to think. So the world, I mean, universal title, I I could maybe see Reigns getting the U.S. title, but other than that, I mean... That's my prediction as well. Uh, Matt Morgan yeah, was saying really. uh, the tag titles perhaps flip to Gallows and Anderson, but we'll see. Uh, so come tune in here right after that ends on the East Coast on Sunday to get our full recap and analysis uh, from Raj, Vince, and Matt. And David and myself will be back here next Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern to discuss the next edition of SmackDown Live and the build-up to No Mercy. Until next time, everyone, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.